Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kendall Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Azure Podcast. Uh, this Today, this is April 4th, uh, 2022, and we are recording episode 419, um, talking about Azure Front Door. And no, this is not your imagination. We have Abhishek Tiwari on to talk about Front Door. He was on on a month, maybe a month and a half ago. Um, to talk about some other services, you know, around our DNS offerings, but we have them on today to talk about something different. Um, so this is so if you've heard them on before, stick around. Uh, we got a, a nice new topic for you. Um, so I'm joined by Cynthia's here, Russell's here, and Sajit is here, obviously, as well as our special guest Abhishek. Um, so folks, what do we have for news today? What's the first? Start with if you like. So on the um, on Azure Batch, there's been a, a simplification that's just gone into public preview around uh, the way in which the nodes can communicate back with the Batch host controller. Uh, so in, in previous iterations, you used to have to set I think three or four different um, networking rules to allow the communication inbound and outbound, and um, that would open some ports up a bit more freely than than you might like or or, or want. Uh, so they simplified that a little bit now, which improves security and, and means that you've got less work to do. So the uh, the batch VMs can communicate with the batch controller uh, pretty much by opting into this new simplification thing. And I think it, it means you only need to open one rule instead of uh, three or four, as you did before. And I think that's going to happen as a default behavior in future. So, um, so look out for that. But there'll be obviously emails sent out as the uh, changeover happens as well. Yeah, I had uh, one in there. This is uh, related to Cosmos DB. And, you know, we haven't spoken a lot about Cosmos DB of late. Of course, it, I think it is uh, pretty much the, the one of our most uh, popular services. When you design a Cosmos DB database, you have to pick uh, a partition key yeah, that define, that is defined for the database. And that's often a, a very difficult decision to make up front because you don't know what the workload is going to be like until you actually put data and you put queries. And then you realize, oh, I had the wrong partition key. I need to go back. So, so now they've come up with this new thing called the Azure Cosmos DB Partition Key Advisor Notebook. And notebooks is a feature in the portal that you could use with Cosmos DB resource, where you could kind of do some preform queries inside of uh, the browser, inside of the portal itself. And in this particular notebook, you could uh, you could do kind of a what if analysis, like, hey, what if I pick this particular partition key, or what if I pick that partition key? How might that affect the kind of queries that I want to run against this. And you can point it against an existing data set. So maybe you do have a production system and you want to say, hey, is that tuned correctly? And so this is a good way to tune an existing system or if you're starting afresh, you know, just put some minimal data and then run it to run the queries against that. It tells you if you're doing cross partition queries, for example, which is always the most uh, difficult to identify upfront, or if uh, there's any better partition key that might be suited for your workload. So it's a good feature. I'm planning to look at it for some of my Cosmos DB databases as well, just to see if they're doing well. Yeah, that sounds a good one. I remember struggling with that myself when I was first playing with Cosmos DB as well. Um, I've got another couple. Uh, I know Evan, you've got one in there as well. But um, first one is just a quick one. Uh, 
uh, Azure Bastion support for for Kerberos now, so you can um, you you can remote desktop using Kerberos authentication, uh, where before it was NTLM only. Um, and the other one is Azure Arc support for VMware vSphere servers. So um, Azure Arc is our kind of like remote monitoring thing, and and uh, it's just great to see that capability expanding and you being able to now monitor and pull in on-premise VMware vSphere servers into your 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 monitoring estate, basically. So yeah, great great little thing addition there. And I think we're also supporting the Azure VMware solution that can be in a private cloud as well. So so that supports it the same as well. Yeah, it must be callback day because um, you know Isabella and uh, Tenu were on. Um, you know, a few months ago to talk about Azure Bastion. Um, and, you know, and I think if, if my memory is right, they told us about the Kerberos thing off air. Um, we couldn't talk about it during the show. Um, it's sort of neat to see Kerberos coming back um, as the as we figure out how to do it across a distributed world. Um, it's but still yeah. Public preview only at the moment. Both yeah. those, the Azure Art one and the Bastion one, they're both public previews. So, uh, yeah, just watch out for that. Yep. Um, yeah, and I did, I, I did want to talk about the, um, the bring your own IP addresses. One, I think this is really cool. This is something we've been looking for for years um, in the SDN space, right? Is um, if, if you own an IP address on premises, now you can bring this into your Azure externally facing resources. Now, you, and you do it very similar to the way you do some some other IP address management where you create the object, we verify that you own it, all that kind of stuff. We do that for Express Route as well. Um, and then you can swap it into your resource. So if you have a, you know, you're replacing an on-premises firewall, for example, for example, with an Azure firewall, you don't have to um, tell your customers, hey, you need to switch over to this new IP. Um, I, I don't know exactly. I, I don't think I looked at the documentation some. We may have to do some digging on this, but I suspect there's probably a little bit of downtime somewhere as you change the owning ownership and the mapping, you know, from a DNS perspective. But it's a heck of a lot better than telling customers you have to change your IP address um, at that point. Maybe just take a little bit of downtime over the weekend or something. So that's if only, yeah. That's, if only we had a DNS expert on the on the call. <laughs> Actually, you know, I didn't even think about this. Avishak, is this coming out of you guys as well to some extent? Uh, no, uh, no. Actually, we would be the one of the bigger user, like you know, in the the front door and other parts of bring your own IP, uh, which I'll I'll touch base. It's a great feature. Uh, but by the way, it's uh, it's uh, usually like you know, uh, you you get a prefix to own your on premise, so you you might avoid downtime, like you know, bringing the prefix and then use uh, one of the IP in that range, typically your other firewalls. Oh, the system I got would you. Be, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so you sort of bring half, and then you bring the rest of it over. Okay, nice. Cool. Um, uh, anything else? I think that's the last of the news. Well, just I, I just one. put in one. Um, ahead, there's Jimmy. a digital event coming up that is called Innovate for Impact. And as we've known, the past two years has been a huge challenge for both born in the cloud enterprises as well as established enterprises. And this is a digital event that will bring together Aqua Security, Confluent, Elastic, Trimble, and KPMG to discuss with them how they have navigated through this time and how the cloud has really enabled them to continue to innovate. That's cool. Excellent. So this is sort of, we have partners um, coming in to speak as well as, mm-hmm. as us. Okay, awesome. Cool. Um, great. Well, yeah, no. So with that roundup done, um, let's uh, flip over to our special guest, um, you know, Abhishek Tiwari. Um, Abhishek, you know, we had you on a few months ago to talk about DNS. Um, now we have you on to talk about front door um, DNS, I think everybody knows, right? We've all used DNS in our in our lives. This, what is this front door thing? Let's start out with that. Like, what is it, and and why would I want to use front door? 
Just like glad to be uh, back again. Um, <laughs> um, the Azure front door uh, in, in last episode, like you know, uh, for the DNS when I was there, we talked about how DNS is a fundamental dial tone service. Azure front door is uh, is another uh, we call it internally as a global super service that like you know where Microsoft critical crown jewels and then Azure like you know critical service have taken explicit dependencies on. So no Azure, fr- yeah. No pressure, like <laughs> DNS, no pressure over there. Um, so as your front door, as the name suggests, it's a, it's a front door for for your internet, globally distributed user base, uh, or globally distributed your backend applications. It's a, it's a front door uh, for that. So uh, it has started uh, uh, for internal consumptions initially. It has started with Bing. Uh, when Bing was on the development, we needed uh, a performance acceleration uh, and then the Cox efficiency. So it started with Bing and then like, you know, the Office 365, all critical services using it, LinkedIn, MSN. And then we realized we have such a great asset. Why not like, you know, to have it available for Azure customers. So we launched this for the Azure customers. Um, it, in nutshell, if you look at like, you know, Gartner and New World, it comes under the application delivery segment where it provides uh, yeah, some of the CDN related functionalities like content caching, it provides dynamic acceleration where like you know it's not the cache content, but you need to to get those uh, the, the content from your backend fast. And it also provides protection, uh, high availability, load management, cox efficiency to your backend. So it, in terms, it's it's a, it's a, it's an asset for for the all the application developers and then for the applications, uh, large applications. So, but front door has like it's it's actually got pieces underneath it, right? Because there's a hook in with CDN content delivery. There's a hook in with um, WAF web app, um, uh, not web application framework. Um, firewall. Firewall. Yeah. Thanks. Too many too many acronyms. Um, I got I, three others for WAF sitting in my head too. Um, web application firewall. Like there's other there's pieces to front door that sort of do they make up front door? Or are those things yes. I can layer in on top. Yes. So front door, um, uh, I want to start with, like, you know, as I said, it's it's a for fundamental offering. First is an acceleration. Acceleration is uh, um, in today's world, like, you know, there are so many critical applications and then latency is a new currency. So front door provides like you no know, early termination as close to the user termination in the edge, Microsoft Edge networks. And then it keeps the warm connection back to your backend. So it provides an acceleration. So it's a big framework out there. Um, then it provides, uh, as you said, the content caching. So it's a distributed caching um, using all the environments. Like you know, we have about 180 plus Microsoft Edge sites where front door is running outside of the, the Azure data center. And it's a, it's, it's a service, uh, a critical service that has basically all the customers content cached and distributed over a pool. So we can pull it from the edge itself. Then it Third becomes the load management. The front door uh, user can come from any edge site, right? Like, you know, you could have an application that is distributed in different Azure data center and regions, but your user could be globally. So they could come from like, you know, APAC, Europe, uh, US. Um, front door keeps warm connection while it takes the user to the closest location, but it keeps the warm connection back to your backend. And then run different load balancing algorithm. You could do a capacity-based load balancing. Hey, I want to make sure like, you know, uh, my Europe backends are running hot. 
though they are healthy like you know since that capacity is approaching critical thing like you know switch the thing to the us or apac it does basically on the performance wise like which one is the fastest backend to connect to and it keeps those connection it does the round robin it does the custom so these are the like you know the algorithm it runs um, and it runs on a per request basis so if any reason like you know say for example one of your entire data center fails there is no cache connections out there and the next request would simply transition to the next available backend so the failover and high availability is instantaneous um, there there is nothing like you know the the cache dns ttl or that some of those things that would impact such a failover so that's why we we guarantee to be within 10 seconds failover in 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 the mega major events uh, front door itself is a highly distributed as i said in 100 80 plus edge locations and any edge sites can fail anytime any server any rack uh, could fail and then user must not notice anything uh, we provide four lines of availability right now 99.99 and uh, we aim to like you know even improve on that uh, the sls so a lot of so lots and lots of capabilities across the yeah, board basically everything you want Yeah, and the sorry, I, I I I forgot to touch the the last one on the protection side. So as you said, like you know, we have an application firewall which runs basically the managed set of rules and then custom rules. Uh, custom rules like you know, it it could do uh, a rate limiting on your users. So if not one single user could hog your application, you could right. do um. uh basically total uh the, the 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 quota of the 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 resources you know the one of the application could use it has the geo filtering based on the which geo users are coming uh, so it's a, it's a, a set of managed and custom rule custom could write like you know the, their own rules uh, uh based on the header and body certain like you know the parameters they can match and then take a set of actions on those requests and that is allowed under the web framework um uh, in all this uh, uh we have to understand uh, edge uh, the data center is a is a big big pond right like you know where it's like you know we call it it's like infinite capacity azure offers you infinite capacity in edge it's a small cup like you know we usually like you know have um, limitation on power space how much hardware you can put in so it's not that like you know in the edge sites you can run at any scale on the hardware as you wish or as you grow so the way you design your application a it's like totally distributed you can like you know distribute not just on the failure scenario but the usage scenario you can shift runtime users to the nearby locations to the failover rings without impacting user uh, a second thing is since it's a small cup you cannot afford even a small drops getting a spilled over it's costly so you design in a way where uh, the efficiency becomes the the one of the main criteria after resiliency and availability um and then with front door um when when we put anything in so for example where uh, when we were considering open set like you know sorry the open source uh, the the web modules we realize if we use those it, it tanks the performance to 15x uh and and it's and, and it's because you have these multiple of tens of thousands of rules and then every request needs to go through it and and it would take time but that's something we couldn't afford uh to run on on these edge site so we we from the like you know ground up built our own back engine and then our goal was when it's running it should not even the the most uh, compute and you know, the sensitive rules should not take more than 
10% of the resources. That what you would do without the web rules. That's the goal we have put in. And then um, we use the hardware offloads, like, you know, the, the stack, the, 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 our like, engineers have, have put the framework in the lowest stack in the networking to make sure we, we do uh, the, the highest performance available in the system when processing those rules. Those are like, you know, some of the examples even when yeah. developing no, that's that. That's great. It's a lot of thinking into that design. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah Abhishek, uh, I was trying to wrap my head around what you said about keeping the connections warm, right? Uh-huh. Uh, uh, now, uh, as a developer, let's say, uh, you know, I have uh, put a ASP.NET Core mm-hmm. Azure website, right? Uh, uh-huh. I've, I've got uh, something out there. Now I want to, I'm thinking about putting Azure Fundo in front of it. Uh-huh. Uh, what, what, what is the process? What should I be thinking about when I do something like that? Um, so, um, there are two aspects when you are designing is a this particular website does it have a static content or not like you know, and how much is the like you know the user like you know would be using the static content versus dynamic content um, the what you don't have to think about is uh, uh, with the front door is how many users would be connecting concurrently or SSL connections, you would be getting it because that's not your worry. Front door would be terminating all the new SSL connection and then those HTTP requests would be given on that warm pipe we already have. So you're not going through like renegotiation of SSL, TCP handshake. And that's where it like, you know, you save money because these negotiation SSL level are costly. So for example, I might be getting on the front door side of a million requests and you have say, 5,000 servers, like, you know, and as like ASP.NET running it. And because of redundancy, I might just, like, you know, put four connections per server, right? So it's like 20,000 warm connections, and then boom, that's it. Uh, those million connections come in and going. It's not impacting. You are just responding to the HTTP request and response. Uh, and and if you could do a cache content, then you are not even seeing those requests and response coming to you. Um uh, um, so when, uh, I, when it comes to my certificate, which is, you know, was hosted, let's say, in my ASP dot in the app service, right. SSL certificate or TLS certificate, what do I do? Uh, what does what has to be done to put that inside of uh, front door so it can terminate the requests? So we take the secrets again, like, you know, we um, the each front door sites, uh, the, the software and then the physical uh, uh the networks and then a space gets like you no know, FedRAMP certified. So it's like and precisely for these reasons. So the 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 right way to do it, uh, uh, put your certificate as recommended by Azure in Azure Key Vault. So it's not like you know you give through some UI and through like you know front door API way of like you know this certificate run because we want to be very very careful on those certificates and and then um, uh, the front door has a, a basically uh, app id in aad and you give front door application a permission to read it from your key vault so then it uses the key vault api to fetch us like the way your application would be fetching it and then it stores in through the the hardware is tpm protected so when we store like you know this ssl certificates it's like you know put into it's encrypted on top of it put into the tpm itself and and that's the way we use it uh, this allows us the opportunity also. Uh, if your certificate is near expiry, you'll get a notification from front door saying, hey, your certificate is reaching expiry. And if you renew your certificate in Key Vault and up- 
put updated certificate. You don't have to tell front door again. Front door automatically fetches the new available certificate. Uh, there is a some uh, you know cooling period where it like you know it waits and then it fetches and it starts rolling out the newer certificate. So it does the certificate management for your application as well. Thank you. I was like when we're thinking about um, Azure Front Door being just geo and globally distributed, how does that work together when we're thinking about building solutions in the disaster recovery scenarios where I may have a s different instances in different regions? That's Does that mean that I would have to configure Azure Front Door for all of my regions or in terms of like availability zones? How does that work? It, it depends. No, you don't have to. Uh, a front door would allow, right? So, for example, if for uh, if you have a compliance way of saying, hey, um, I'm getting like you know this set of users uh, which are coming to the front door, I want to serve it from a, a set of your application backends in a particular geo. So you just create a one profile, like you know, because it's still it's a one application. It just your user base is distributed globally, and then you might have a different compliance requirement for those users. And then you can write the WAF rules, like you know, you can write like you know the the. Uh, available managed rule, just saying, hey, Epic reason, if this is like coming from Epic reason, this is the backend they need to go for. And then, and it would work. You can write on the custom, like, you know, if your application is sending a specific header for the compliance, and then you want to do a special processing on those, you can write, like, you know, the, your own custom rules uh, looking for that header and then take an action. Basically, add, like, you know, new headers, drop the request, forward it to the the backends differently. Uh, so those are the those are the actions available for you to do it. Uh, but uh, in most of the cases, you don't have to like recreate your front door profile just because you have a distributed set of uh, users and then distributed set of backends. And then does front door know to find the availability available backends if yes. they okay. Yes, it does. It has a health probe. Uh, while it does the load management, it has a health probe. And health probe, and there is a thought, like, you know, again, like, you know, being an edge, so it's not, um, like, you know, I have these front door servers that would, like, you know, pinging your backends and then getting the health. Uh, we are distributed across the globe, right? So we have, like, say, 20 plus thousand bare metal servers running in. And each could forward a user could come and connect to any of the server and that that server could connect to your backend. What we do not want that every server doing some sort of health probe to figure it out whether you are healthy or unhealthy because that would just create a DOS for you. <laughs> you were getting like you know, these many just healthy. <laughs> <laughs> so so this is where like you know you have this the the distributed uh probing and then like you know read us a style like you know the results cached and then upload and then like you know you share that responsibility so so yes a it does the health pro but it does in a in a responsible manner not to create that load uh, to the back end what you know you you talked about um WAF and it sounds like front door has a you know a number of the traffic manager type features and we talked about the CDN. How do how do I know I'm a good candidate for front door and leveraging those capabilities versus go turn on application gateway and, and it's WAF in my you know single deployment or go set up a traffic manager profile on my own. So basically how what how do I know whether I'm a fit for the individual pieces on the individual services or whether I should go to front door? It's should I just always be on front door? Like what's the thinking 
there. There is there is a guidance available uh, uh, on the product, uh, the guidance when we should eat. But in 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 in, in some summary, like you know, the Azure front door. If you are internet facing application, like you know, where mm-hmm. users connect over internet. Um, and backend could be on premise or backend could be like you know in the data centers azure data center and if you have a uh, the some of the rule of thumbs like you know if you are not looking just your workload in a vnet in a region if that's the scenario where like you know you just have deployed your workloads in a particular vnet uh, and that's where all your users would be connecting from a particular region you should use application gateway but if you have even like you know your uh, backend deployed in a single region. But if your user base is globally, then I recommend to use front door because then it would let user connect and terminate early in the edge sites. Uh, and if you have a multiple backends, including on-premise and then uh, different data centers over public, uh, in that, that's such a globally distributed scenario, uh, use front door. And of course, there are, like if it's a caching related thing, then obvious choice would be a front door. Traffic manager, other hand, provides a traffic management decision for all protocols. Since it's a DNS based, right? So Azure front door and both application gateway are L7 web based. And if you need to do the traffic manager for all, uh, so it it won't uh, do influence on the active request, but based on the DNS, it will let you choose the endpoint. And then once it lets you choose the endpoint, it doesn't matter which protocol you run and then how do you do so. So it so it sounds like if I sort of simplify that, it sounds like you're saying if your end users are coming from a, a very geographically dispersed right. capability or, or source, you should be thinking about front door. If on the other right. hand, if you know, you know, for me, I'm in North Carolina, if all my users are coming from North Carolina, and I put my stuff in the East U.S. data center somewhere. I, front door is sort of overkill right. for me. Yeah, in that and, and, okay. And, and, yes, right. Yeah, it's like you know in the VNet, and then you might be like you know want to leverage application gateway and then have right. uh, more intelligence within your VNets uh, with application gateway. Okay, great. That's a yeah. We'll we'll definitely get that link of some of the guidance. Right. Uh, from you um, so we can include it when we post this the other part in the front door is um since it's uh, uh it's over the internet and it terminates the request uh by default all the uh the distributed dos attack uh for like you know the the rogue packets it's just get terminated and front door and if it's not an legitimate request which front door can forward to your backend it's a front door is doing that fronting uh for oh, that so includes some ddos capabilities as well and, the, and okay. it's with the large capacity available it, it absorbs most of the time right like you won't even be notified because front door should be just simply absorbing those attacks uh, and then scenarios for you uh, Bichik, you, you mentioned earlier how you know the front door it takes a request and then has this warm connection. I assume the warm connection is internal through the Azure backbone. Uh, so in that scenario, uh, n- as an application developer, knowing that I have this wide variety of edge uh, resources through Azure front door all over the world, can I just sit back and say, oh, I'm just going to have you know a couple of servers in East US. Uh, I don't have to worry about being global from an application perspective because I know front door is doing that for me. In, in, in uh, some cases, that does work. Uh, what we have seen, if you do a split TCP and even in the warm connection, you have to go far back. An example that you are saying, say you have deployed on the 
say US East, and then user might be connecting from uh, say APEC India region. Um, despite like you know you going and fetching from the US East, just the fact you didn't have to do the SSL negotiation, just the fact you had the warm connection, you still get the benefit, and then a much much better latency in those scenarios. So. Uh, though we recommend to like you know still have a some sort of, uh, of course, high availability I mean, for your backend <laughs> available. I, I may have so. a couple, but you know I, I think the biggest uh, probably uh, problem for a developer has been like, oh, do I need to have you know points of presence all over the world, right, uh, to serve yeah, all my customers? Yeah, and now I can have maybe two, right, uh, or maybe three if you really want to be uh, uh, more resilient, and then not have to worry about uh, having them everywhere. Um, this is another like you know just Ivan, uh, uh, you have your like enhanced raised, so I'll uh, I'll like you know if you have a question I'll answer, but like, yeah. I want to touch base one more yeah, point. Go ahead. So uh, the other part is you don't have to worry about is the the change management for your application. Say for example, like you are globally distributed, and then you want to change you want to introduce a particular backend like you know you decide oh i'm getting too much overload on this one i add another one now that change needs to be available in if you are doing the fronting for your application you need to make sure that change is available uh, to all distributed front ends of your application this this is done by Azure front door. So Azure front door, we have internal service called Delaware that takes customer config and that deploys across the global fleet because technically your user can come from anywhere in the world. And that and it's a risk also because you I'm taking as a service owner, I'm taking your change and I'm deploying everywhere. And though this is a customer change, my service should not get impacted, but there are bugs like in software we live with like bug. So we have put many protection layers even for the customer config changes. So we follow SDP. You must have heard like you know, in all the talks, SDP for your own code, code as e con the, the config and data is equal to code, SDP all across. But we have taken an extra step here for the customer changes. We do SDP. So we take that like you know the customer config and then we deploy in like you know five or six stages and we do this fast because customer cannot wait days for its config. So we do it under 10 minutes. But in that 10 minutes, we get a valid feedback from the stage one and then ensuring that front door is able to do the data processing, like, you know, all the positive negative feedback. And that's how we, like, you know, like, you know, uh, roll it across the fleet. And once we have, like, you know, say, X threshold coming with a positive feedback, that particular configuration, it put it to the LKG, so last known good. So in future, if, like, you know, there are crashes happens and we don't know what, just because, like, you know, a bug, there are, like, you know, the, 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 protections where it can automatically fall back to these LKGs and then could go to multiple of these LKGs. There is a crash protection service we have uh, where for unknown reason you get a crash. The, in time, in the environment, like you know, the system analyzes the type of crashes and tries to figure it out pattern when these crashes happen. It's like, like request from a particular IPs or client or like record. And once it forms those metadata, it blocks that metadata across the environment to avoid those crashes. So there are like, you know, these layers of protections over the years we have put in. Uh, uh, and I, I get super, super excited about like, you know, uh, on, on these. So you are on, are on video, you could just see he's, he's starting to light up as, <laughs> right. he's, as he's talking about these pieces. <laughs> Um, That's, that is that is that is really amazing. Thank you. <laughs> That's funny. Um, the 
it, you know, although we, we didn't plan it, it turned out um, to be that you guys, you know, the front door team just had a bunch of announcements in the last week or two talking about, you know, uh, you know, the, you know, releasing, I think it was the premium version of front door. And so now you've got two SKUs, the standard SKU and the premium SKU at a high level. What's the difference between them? Are they, are they the same implementation at the end of the day? Is there, you know, like what, why, why would I want to look at premium if I'm running front door today? Oh yeah, uh, that that's a great question, Ivan, and and it's a it's a some history and context. Uh, uh, front door, as I said, started as for internal consumptions. We had Azure CDN as a uh, uh, the Verizon and Akamai as a service for the CDN. It's it's not directly related with front door. So we have a front door stack, and then we have Azure CDN. And before uh, uh, we could release to the front door, which like you know supports acceleration and all, we have a Microsoft CDN stack under Azure CDN that doing the CDN functionality, and that is basically created a source of confusion to our customer that's like the biggest driver like you know you really when you put uh, an application it application would have some portion of static content some dynamic and then you are not sure should i go cdn route should i go azure front door route and so the big the, the major first major change is its uh, positioning it's just one single sku right like you know, we call it now standard and premium and then you don't have to worry about a static versus dynamic versus this protection it's just the features of like you know some premium features but like you know, on the basic as an application functionality both would provide dynamic and a static acceleration so that's one driver then the pricing and then the the other aspects were like super confusing as well uh, so this is provided like you know tiered pricing understandable like on the usage that's the second part so convergence is a one big thing there, then there are like you know, of course features uh, and one great feature that i would like to talk to ivan is uh, a private link integration mm. so uh, when you take like you know, all of our competitors including like cloudfront who's like you know, way ahead in terms of like you know, the, the cdn offering has started much earlier than us but their backends, like it is still all public-facing, internet, uh, public IP backends. And this release of Azure Front Door, you could just have your uh, private, uh, the backends in the VNet, private address space, and then completely isolated. And Front Door could still talk to your private. You don't have to expose. Oh, on so a I don't public need a endpoint. public endpoint. You, you don't point. need a public uh, endpoint. So yeah, that's great. And that's a feature requested by many of our enterprise customers. And and, uh, and that would be uh, a feature that would provide in today's world the security, right? Where because we we truly recommend for customers to like you know lock down their like you know the VNet space and then go with the private link. So. Uh, there are many other features uh, as well, but these two things, the convergence and then the common billing pricing and then the, some of the premium features, especially the private link space. We do have, by the way, it's a huge investment on analytics. So you could get like you know, different analytics uh, on insights on your traffic, user traffic, web domain uh, records, like you know, the geos. So all sorts of uh, the, the cache hit ratio, cache miss, like you know, the load on your backend. So different right. type of analytics and insights uh, as part of uh, these uh, new SKU offerings. Okay, awesome. Yeah, Abhishek, maybe one last question here for me is, uh, you know, we'd like to be pretty transparent on the show here in terms of uh, the services that we talk about, and we know they all cost money for our users eventually. Uh, and so, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> <That's> if, <right. laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I want to make sure that we give our users the right idea of, you know, what this is going to cost uh, for them, both the standard SKU as well as the premium SKU. Uh, at a, you know, what are some of the factors they should be considering as they try to budget this into their Azure spend? I, I'm not like honestly a, a, a good person on being on the dev side. It's our PMs have done lots of lots of thinking on the pricing. But one thing I could tell you, uh, the the front door is uh, is a uh, the overall the, the the segment is very competitive, and then the the pricings uh, like you know are like super super like you know the the low lower lower side of it. For example, like uh, if if I recall, it's like le- even like in a fraction of a cent, uh, like you know maybe tenth of that cent to transfer one GB of data, and then multiple like you know suites of requests. So um, uh, if 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 you are a large organization, that's what we have done on the Azure front door premium SQ. You, if you pay per request and then you are a large organization, you have millions of the requests, it amounts gets like much, much bigger. And we have put a, a bundle packet. So like you don't have to worry about. And if you are a small, then you are not worried about these fixed costs, right? Like for example, you deploy some of the dedicated gateway style solution, no matter whether you send one request or 10 requests, you have to pay that much money uh, for the the instances that are dedicated to you. In that case, front door, you are just paying for like a few of the few of the requests. So it, I would say this pricing should work for all range, like, you know, from SMB to a very, very large enterprise. So it sounds like we sort of built it thinking about there's right. different consumers in different ways they want to pay for it based right. on their use case. Okay, right. makes sense. Great. Well, no, this was this was awesome, uh, Abhishek. Thank you for coming on. Any last um, any last words or or um, anything you want to leave with the audience around front door? Oh yeah, I mean like you know we are not done. That's what I would say. There are like you know uh, the thinking around, uh, especially uh, when when I see in this today's world like you know the the cybersecurity uh, protection, uh, the 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 new critical ex- like you know the applications requiring the performance performance where even a one millisecond like you know mm-hmm. would cost them their money and then lose their customers so we we are in this journey and uh, soon you would hear i again like you know there are certain things in works uh, hopefully Ivan would invite me next to talk about some of those major things coming uh, soon yes so my my part is uh, uh, we want to be the the best platform uh, to carry all application data in the world, and then our that's our vision, and then we are working towards it. Yeah, no, that sounds great. And I was gonna say, just, uh, how easy is it would it be for our listeners or customers to actually try this out, right? Like if they let's say they have some workload currently running, and they just want to quickly, like you know, let me see what Frontdo can do for me. Is it? like a long drawn process, they have to get architects involved and whatnot, or is it a, hey, let me just hook it up? It should be just hook it up. Even if you are not having your own certificate, you don't have to go to those uh, cert provide, like no authorities to get your certificate. We will give you certificate from a public authority by ourselves, like fully integrated. Um, and it's uh, you, there is no deployment time and bringing up your instances. It's a pass multi-tenant solution. Just creating your logical resource, boom, you go for it. What I heard was our our next hack 
Sajid, we'll put we'll put front door in front of our our baby our tiny little Azure podcast. <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's exactly why I asked the question. <laughs> and if it doesn't work, we know exactly where to go uh, at that point. So, okay, great. Uh, any uh, Russell, any last questions from you, Sajid? Anything from you? Yeah, it's been great. Thank you. Okay, Thank awesome. Abhishek, thanks for coming back on um, in such a relatively short time again. Um, and we will probably hold you to that when you guys do your next, next <laughs> batch of releases and features. We'll get you to come back this fall or something. Looking forward to it. Okay, great. Thanks, folks. Thank I guess you. everybody later. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.